was gambling in Havana I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out of this Welcome, everyone, to episode 45 of the Matt Jones Podcast. Taping this on Monday, it is June 6th, which is D-Day, also the first day of Ramadan. A lot of stuff happening here. Uh, We're going to make this a special episode, a very special episode of KSR, where we talk about a famous Kentuckian who passed away this weekend, Muhammad Ali. I'm going to be joined in just a little bit by someone who probably wrote and knew Muhammad Ali as much as any sports writer that exists. Dave Kindred, who was with the Louisville Courier-Journal, Sports Illustrated, followed him for 20, 30-plus years, uh, wrote a book about the relationship between he and Howard Cosell. And I read his article on Fox Sports and thought it was great. And he doesn't normally do interviews and stuff anymore, but agreed to come on here, which was very nice. Wow, how did you do that? You had to pay him? I called his house and asked him. I was clearly annoying him. Like, it was clearly like he was, well, not annoying, but he was... He called his house? He has a landline? No, no, I mean, I called his cell okay, phone. Right. And, and it was cl- clearly like he had other things going on. Right. But he was nice enough and said he would do it. I, I dropped Oscar... Did he know who you were? No, but I dropped Oscar Combs' name. Oh, I said, Oscar got you the interview. I said, it is it our mutual friend, Oscar oh, Combs. Oh, right. Which I thought was very nice. I mean, he, he clearly liked Oscar, and so there we go. Um, so anyway, he'll be on here in, in a moment. That voice you hear is Tony Vanetti. Tony, before we get started, and I want to talk about Ali. You're a Louisville guy. I mean, you're Louisville mm-hmm. through and through. Sure. Um, we have a new sponsor. Okay. Jack Irwin. All right? JackIrwin.com. E-R-W-I-N. They make shoes. Oh, okay. Here's the thing about shoes. You know I'm a shoe guy. Cobblers. Yeah, that's exactly right. They are cobblers. They make the. They've decided to get fashionable shoes, but construct them well so that they stay together. Like oh. I don't. I don't know if you've ever had any fashionable shoes. You wear them once, they get all I know. scuffed up. Yep. Jack Irwin. Now these shoes. Let me just tell you, they're nice. They're not cheap. Mm-hmm. But they're the kind of shoes you can't get in 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 towns across Kentucky. They're right. nice. They sent me a pair of like boat shoes. And, like, these are boat shoes you could wear all the time. Like, they're great. Mm-hmm. They have dress shoes. They also have casual shoes. They have modern take on classic designs. Mm. And you can get the shoes. They're handcrafted. These are handcrafted shoes. What? Handcrafted. In and they're, do they, are they ex- ex- expect, expensive? Well, I mean, they're, they're not, like, they are less expensive than if you went and bought them in New right. York, et cetera. But yeah. they are... Uh, handcrafted in Spain and Portugal. Wow. Two countries known for their handcrafted shoes. And they come in your size, which is floppy. <laughs> the funny thing about it is, like, if you're like me, you got big feet, mm-hmm. they got it for you. <laughs> Dude, you certainly do. That's exactly like right. Flaunt them so off. they have uh, lace ups, boots, loafers, casual. It's perfect for the summer. So here's what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. I want you, you'll like them. This is probably the thing the most like you that I've had. Right. JackIrwin.com. That's Jack E-R-W-I-N.com. And then click on the expedited shipping offer. Okay. Is that free? Promo code Matt. Got it. Expedited shipping. That means fast. Expedited. Promo code Matt and you get free shipping. Woo! So think about that. I'm in. Use promo code Matt, you get free shipping. I would recommend that you use them. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sandals at work. There Either. is nothing wrong with wearing sandals. Well, yes, if you have big floppy feet like you do, and let's see them. 
Trim your toenails. Okay, I'm, get, I'm getting a pedicure those on are vacation. Like, those are like weapons. That is stop it. You could kill someone with that big toe nail. <laughs> no, it's it's been it's been cut. It's like recently. Did, did you ever have that grandma or grandpa that you had to go over and trim the toenails? No, you never had to do that. You had to trim your there, grandparents' there are, toenails. When you get to a certain age, they can't do it, so you go over and trim their toenails. I personally wait, have wait, not. Wait, when did you do this? No, my father had, used to have to do that for my great grandfather. He used to go over there and have to trim his toenails. Your father trimmed your grandfather's my great grandfather yeah that that's was really that strange tony that yeah. they, that i don't know i bet you there's people that are listening going yes you got to take care of the old folks if they, you they out there if there. you ever out there gave your grandfather uh <laughs> toenail clippings right? got, at tony vanetti just send him a message and go yes tony you know I, at ky sports radio yes he was i did in his 90s he needed help i can't think of a worse punishment I know. I'm with you. Then trimming your I, 90-year-old I grandfather. I mean, I know he needs more. it, but I that's... Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Anyway, jackirwin.com, mm-hmm. promo code Matt. Go check them out because they're part of the show and we want to make them yeah. a part of you. All right, so Tony, Muhammad Ali passes Friday. Um, I think I broke the news to you, did I not? You said that I was sitting on my back porch with Terry Miners and... Uh, wait, 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 slow down. Terry Miners was at your house? Yes. I thought, I thought, wait a minute, hang on, hang on just a second. I thought you oh, didn't, here we go. I thought you didn't hang out with people here, from work. Here we go. I live on campus at Holy Trinity. The summer picnic for Holy Trinity was going on. He was there with his kids and he parks in my yard and he walks through my yard to go to the picnic. And but then, it, and when he was leaving, your text came when he was leaving and we sat down on the back porch and discussed, should we go in now? But the news had not – he had not died yet, so. Well, he had. They're saying 11 o'clock. Well, I'm not going to argue with people. But, okay. I, but you know, I mean, I didn't just make up that he had died. Yes. Why would I have done that? No, you I mean, and I didn't report it. it because I didn't want to report. I mean, right. t- to me, like the, a race to report someone's death is not a thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like let the family do it. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I sent it to you. I sent it to like Bomani and a couple of people and just said, hey, this has happened. And and then they announced it a couple hours later or whatever. But let, let me just say something first of all, though. You, you have said to me that I cannot come to your house because you don't want to have work people at your house. And now you're you're sort of like his kids are the same age as my children. So you so you won't invite me to your house because I don't have kids. No, uh, there's no. Yeah. I mean, I can. I'm kidding. No, of course I'll invite you to the house. I mean, why not have, like, listen, I understand you don't want to have just me to your house because who wants that? But maybe you could invite Terry, right? Maybe invite Terry. Maybe invite even, like, maybe, well, you don't want Ryan because then there's a whole, he'll steal your. He'll steal your stuff, but just invite to, maybe invite a few of us, and it'll it'll be a nice Who are you social bring? event. Drew, it's you. Why and do Drew I have to bring someone? What? Why do I have to bring someone? Yeah. Okay, you don't. You're right. You're right. All right, fine. I'll bring a date. I'll I'll. You'll I'll, find someone. I'll bring some woman that is appropriate for your house. Great. But that's the thing is there are women that are appropriate for various right. occasions. <laughs> the problem is I've yet to find the woman uh, that I could take to every occasion. Right. That's right. Like Jackie Vanetti and Mary Miners are on the back porch. And who will get along with them? Oh, I, I, they, they, I, I certainly Very know some Very career-driven women, women. Yes, exactly. That are married to successful uh, men. Exactly. But then you also have to be able to hang out with my goofy friends. Yes. And you also have to be able to like deal with my well, nonsense. Well, you know what? No. Once you get married, you lose the friends thing anyway. That that eventually happens. No, I, but I, I, that not only happens with you. Like no. all of all of my friends are still married and they still hang out. Okay, all right. And they have kids. I hear you. I'm the last one. 
And there's been this big fight between me, not fight, but this big discussion between me and them a lot about how I don't bring women around them because their wives can occasionally be difficult. Right. Well, they all live vicariously through you. And that's the problem. Yes. They, when they, 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 Please tell me what went on Saturday night. Exactly. They and they the always time. like, and, and I don't mind telling right. fibs out of, out of, out of school, but right. I'm just saying like, you know. Anyway, point being, I should you be at your started, house. You almost started going there. You almost started going ahead. I, I should be invited to your house. I, look, I did. Terry parked in my yard. So it's should I come park in your yard? Yes, park in my yard. And <laughs> All camp right. Out. So you find out. I send you the text. I'll eat out. What's your What's yeah. your first instinct when you hear that? Um, you know what? I it's my first instinct was that he's at a better place. That was the first thing that popped into my mind, and I was like, you know what? Yes, I'm glad that he is sort of free to do his thing uh, because it's been difficult for a lot of fans of Muhammad Ali, including myself, to watch him deteriorate to where he was. Um, as you know him, where he what what he what kind of person he was, and 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 what he did, and then just kind of see him, yeah. You know, uh, just slumped, you know, slumped over in that chair for so many years, and you're just well. It, it's weird because it's been fascinating to me to watch the coverage. Okay, so Muhammad Ali was one of my favorite people, not in the sense of like I mean, I met him once, but that's not what I mean. I mean, like I find him fascinating. Mm, oh yeah. And the people I find fascinating in this world are people who sort of are not perfect. Right, like, like. Well, first of all, no one's perfect, but I, I find people who've had who've lived interesting lives, and and I find them. In, I mean, he has one of the more fascinating lives of all time, but in the coverage, it's almost like everyone is treating him like this mythical creature that like existed above humanity, where we all just sort of. Yeah. It's like the post nineteen ninety six torch lighting Ali, where Ali at that point was really just a symbol. Right, like he didn't speak really, and he was really just a symbol of what we all sort of thought was a great human being, which he was. But that's not what Muhammad Ali was. No, under forty, you really have no clue. Yeah, if you're under forty, you have no unless clue. you've looked into it, and then you still great. You're reading a history book basically, but and you've watched. Okay, well, do you, does that mean you have no clue about like Abraham Lincoln? No, I mean <laughs> no, but the emotional attachment of oh, I living that. through it. Actually. Yeah, I, I understand that, but I'm just saying, like, as somebody who's re- I've read a lot about him. You know, I, I was really fascinated always by the interplay between him and Howard Cosell because yes. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And he was part of like the great culture wars of the 60s and 70s. But then I get on Facebook and it's all people going, Muhammad Ali saw through saw through race and saw through color and saw through creed and like like a, like a, a bull. I mean, yeah, he, I was about to say, like, like, none of like, that was true. No. Like, like, he was... Well, you see the picture behind my desk, right? Yes. It, that is... Uh, and Malcolm you've, X. You've been I think it's a great to, picture. You wanted to steal it. It's Malcolm X. And yes, when you die, Muhammad I will take it. Right. Muhammad Ali, that's fine. You can have it. Um, Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. And I have that behind me to remind me, look, say what you got to say, but understand if you do that, you could pay the price. Okay? Both those guys, Malcolm paid with his life, and Ali paid with... Uh, with Look, he was hated by America. I mean, there were... But isn't that why he's interesting? Oh, yes. He's interesting because... He's not interesting because of what he was in the last 15 years. It's perfect timing, man. Also, it's perfect timing. It was a time... History needed Muhammad Ali at that time. You're exactly right. And, and there was... It's, it's sort of lightning in a bottle in, in three different areas. The athlete... Muhammad Ali, the religious activist, and then the radical, because there was a period of his of his life where he was really radical, and his ideas were over the top. So he comes around, and, and he he cha- first of all when he changes his name, yes, from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, he had already beaten Sonny Liston. 
Right, he beat Sonny Liston as Cassius yes. Clay. Yes, right. So he had been world champ. Right after. Right after that, he changed his name to Muhammad Ali, and a lot of people, you know, wouldn't call him because Muhammad that because the Islamic uh, that whole uh, sect was like the it wasn't the Black Panthers, but it was it was it was in the same sort of uh, you know situation. People were, were afraid of that. But you act like that, like people act like that's so crazy different. I mean, let's be real here. He changed his name to Muhammad Ali. And he took up with the Nation of Islam before people who knew what that was. No, right, okay? yes, yeah. And people act like, well, that, I mean, even now, I mean, one of the two major presidential candidates wants to ban Muslims from the country. I mean, it's not like, like it's 50 years later, yeah. but the notion that Muhammad Ali, um, like now, if it happened, he would be controversial. So 50 years ago, it was insane. I mean, and he, look, and it's still it's still stuck with uh, coming to America. With oh, Eddie yeah, Murphy. that was a great that, line. That great scene. Mama calling play. It's I'm Mama calling cash. I won't call Everybody, him yeah. you know, and everybody says it. Uh, it is when he changed his name, and then there was the fight where the guy refused. His next fight, the guy refused to call him Muhammad Ali. And he hit him and, and he said. And he kept hitting me going, what's my name? And would punch on him and not hit him hard enough to knock him out. But it was one of the times Muhammad Ali was And so he, cool. he got with Malcolm X, and then he sort of sold Malcolm X out yes. for Elijah Muhammad. Quote, he gets what he deserves, and then he was killed. There are some people who are older in the black community who have never forgiven him for that. No. That sort of, because yeah. Elijah Muhammad, a lot of people thought, even to this day, was a radical, oh. just using Muhammad Ali because he was anti-Malcolm X. That's right. Malcolm X, another fascinating. Malcolm X comes back from Mecca, changed person. Yes. Denounces Elijah Muhammad. Yes. Ali signs with, uh, uh, sort of aligns with Muhammad. And Malcolm X then gets assassinated. And, and, I mean, no one has said Ali was part of it, but he certainly didn't seem to mind. Yeah. And then he can and, and then Ali changed his views on that also. I mean, along later, but yes. it took a while. Yes. I mean, it took a while. He says that he always regretted. He was sort of a Dr. Dre, Easy E thing. He didn't get to have his bedside moment. Right, with Malcolm. With, yeah. with, with, with Malcolm because he was assassinated. So then he decides not to, to – he becomes a conscientious objector, or as your lady on WLKY said yesterday on the TV, uh, a sensuous objector. Oh, <laughs> Who said that? Whoever the uh, the reporter or the a, anchor, a man on oh. the anchor when they were showing the plane oh, landing yeah, and all that. Yeah, the uh, thing is, it was like fifteen minutes of nothing happening, yeah. and she was having to talk. And yeah. she goes, "He became a sensuous objector." Yeah. Which, uh, but anyway, and decides not to to serve in Vietnam. Uh, doesn't you know? Says he will not be part of the draft, or he got drafted but then didn't go. I mean. There are people who have yet to ever forgive him for that. No, my grandfather. Hated my grandfather him, the same hated way. him for it. Hated him for it. And 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 again, the line in the headline of all the newspapers across America the next day was there was no Vietnamese ever called me the N word, and and that was the headline. That was the headlines, and which it, is a fascinating thing. Though. It really is. Like it's a fascinating take to say, you know, I mean, I, there are people. He, I, I, I read once in a biography where he in the 70s was talking about that and said, look, 99% of the wars in this world are poor people fighting poor people at the behest of rich people. <laughs> right. That's yeah, right. But when you think about it's it. It's brilliant. It, there's a lot of truth to it. Yes, yes. It doesn't mean that there yes. are not wars that are necessary, et cetera. Yeah. But his point sort of was, was – why would I go there, et cetera? And, and he, 
Imagine being because at the, the top people, of your, but at the top of your career. I mean, he was at his peak when yes, he did that. No, and and because and he said that because the only the uh, the poor kids were the one that were going to fight Vietnam because you it was g- not you got deferment kid. for if you went to college you were out yeah all that kind of stuff and if you had rich dads you can get and I mean just look at look at what happened later I mean but he did not know he was ever going to get back in the ring he didn't know he thought he was going to go to prison I mean and all he had to do was raise his hand. Go into the service, and they told him, you're not going to Vietnam. You're going to go on a tour, yeah. just like Joe Lewis did, and you're going to go on a tour, entertain the troops, and we'll send you on home in a year, and you're fine, right? You're good. And he couldn't do that. He gave it all up. I mean, how many, people, for how many people would do that? Nobody. Regardless of if you – No one. It's one thing to say, well, I won't go to war because I don't want to go whatever. He was – you're right. He would have had a cushy job. He would have essentially been a poster boy, though, for the war. And he said, I'm not going to do that. I mean, that is, whether you think that was the right decision or not, right. it is definitely a courageous I decision. I called you years ago on a subject, and I can't remember what it was, and I said, well, I'm right. And you said to me, you can be right and poor. <laughs> and I said, all right. And I don't remember what it was, but it, well, yeah, I mean, and you, and, uh, and you said, look, you can be you can be right about things, and you can be poor, and you can, you know. And I said, okay, we, and I can't remember what I ended up doing, uh, but that's what you said at that time, and I can't remember what it was. It wasn't something like this, but uh, um, it is. No one will, no one would, and you, if you ask that question now to people of why wouldn't, why don't athletes. Well, why aren't they as involved in the social issues as well, it's those all guys money. were? But because the, they're endorsement money. Well, you remember the famous Michael Jordan quote. I mean, Michael Jordan, Jesse Helms was he, Michael Jordan from North Carolina, and Jesse Helms was running for re-election in the Senate against, uh, I believe, against a black man. I'm not sure, but it was against someone, and he made what most people consider to be like the most racist ad in the history of politics, right? In which he basically showed white hands and insinuated that black people were taking their jobs. Basically, that black people then took the white hands and replaced it with black hands. Right. I, I can't remember the exact, but you can look it up. It was a very famous ad. And so he was being denounced by everyone. And people wanted Michael Jordan at the time, who was becoming Air Jordan. This right. is like 88 or right. something, right? Just at the cusp. At the cusp. And they said, we want you to get involved. And he famously said, no, Republicans buy shoes too. Right, yes. Which was the Michael Jordan. Right, Which was the Michael Jordan. And by the way, that mindset occurs all the time. I mean, do you know how many times people say to me, Matt, you're going to lose some of your audience if you keep talking about blah. That happens to me all the time. And I say, look, first of all, I think I say all this stuff respectfully. I mean, even if you disagree, we can disagree and that's fine. But there are things more important than making money. But I don't know how many athletes believe that now. I don't know how many athletes – like, take a guy like Kurt Schilling, who I don't like. Yeah. I disagree with all of his positions. Well, but I will say this about Kurt Schilling. Yeah. I disagree with his positions. But it's fascinating to me that that's a dude who seems like, all right, I'm going to say what I think, and y'all can deal with it. There are very few people – again, I don't like his positions. But there are very few people who would even do that. Right. It's much easier just to say nothing and cash the check. Yeah. Uh, whoever the dumbass is that's filling in for Rush Limbaugh today – he started the show by comparing the modern day Muhammad Ali as who? Who did he say? What, like Cam Newton? Or no, something? he's Donald Trump. <laughs> he, and I, I, I almost wrecked my Sternberg automotive. 
you should go by Preston Highway. Yeah, well, let's cash a check while you're doing uh, this. Yeah. That's right. I almost wrecked my Sternberg work truck uh, when he said, oh, yes, the modern day, and made some parallels. Like he had three or four things. That just goes to show I, you that over time, uh, no matter who you are, uh, uh, someone will co- right. co-opt your image. Yes, you know? and it's like you have got to be kidding. Yeah, that's Like funny. he's joking, right? But George, George Carlin, there was a thing on, on Facebook. Did you see the video of George Carlin in 1974? And the bit was – Muhammad Ali lost his job today. He was like, <laughs> the government took his job. They wanted him. He, you know, Muhammad Ali beats up people for a living. Yeah. He said the government wants him to kill people for a living. <laughs> and when I, Muhammad Ali drew the line at that. <laughs> I don't mind beating people up, but I don't want to kill people. Okay? That is kind of funny. It is. It's a hilarious Now, thing. with all that said, like, I, I am a advocate and uh, – sort of respect and, and agree with a lot of his political beliefs. Not all, but a lot of them. But on a personal level, he was also at times a really bad person. Yes. I mean, he yeah. he was awful to his wife for many years. Married four times. Married four times. There are kids that I think he didn't really acknowledge for a long period of time. Right. I think that changed yeah, I, maybe yeah, at the end. But yeah. um, he was brutally awful to his opponents and I'm not just in the sort of taunting I'm the greatest I think the way he treated Joe Frazier awful was horrendous awful. I mean the, he essentially at a time when this would have been difficult essentially called Joe Frazier and Uncle Tom oh essentially he did he did and called how him ugly he, he called was. and called him a gorilla he called him a right which was a all tinged in race, even coming from him. Yep. Even coming from him. Yep. And in a time when Joe Frazier helped him, exactly when he was when he was down and out. Uh, and and you're right. And I and I heard right. Joe Frazier a number of times on Howard Stern. Howard Stern was close with yeah. Joe Frazier, and Joe Frazier would talk about how he almost committed suicide because the black community in America turned on him yeah. at the behest of Muhammad oh, Ali right. and made him out to be this sellout, etc. The cruelty that he showed in that respect. Right. Now, later in life, he apparently tried they, to no, make they, amends for no, all that. No, they did, and they were friends. But yeah. that but that was an awful time. I mean, it was awful. He did those, yes. He, again, it's going to be funny because, you know, we always talk about how a president will be remembered or what, what that era will. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's 20, 30 years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years. You kind of look back, and then you can sort of put a Yeah, you say what is the historical, yeah. Right, what's the historical. So what will be... The historical, because, you know, we get it all wrong. History is all wrong all through, you know. It, well, it's interesting. All right, so take the first, like, you're exactly right. So. What are we going to remember? Well, look at someone like JFK. Like, JFK, what is he remembered for? He's mostly remembered for having been killed. Uh, yes. But <laughs> I mean, secondly, the Cuban crisis. I mean, I don't know that people remember that because he, because, I mean, I, I, I think, he stood up to the Russians. I mean, it, yeah, he did. I'm just saying, like, I think it's mostly though, he's considered this optimistic figure from our past who was killed. He, he, right. But he was—that's not how he was looked at when he, like, when he died. It, he was still not a universally beloved figure. No, agreed. Um, agreed. Yes. Yes. You know, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan left office with very low approval rating, but now is an icon. Yeah. Like a, he's like John Wayne, yeah. like he's an American oh icon, God, but that's yeah. not what it was. I mean, when he was there, 
Iran-Contra, you know, I mean, there was all kinds of stuff. Like, you never know what's going to stick out with somebody. No, even, oh, remember when Bush was going wrong? The first one was, uh, had some economic problems. Uh, remember the t-shirts that said, bring back Dick, as in Dick Nixon? <laughs> oh, it's yeah, like, but well, people, you know, it's like, the older Bush left office <laughs> very disliked, and now everyone <laughs> in America. I know, I, I just know. burped, excuse right? me. Everyone in America loves the older Bush. <laughs> right. So, Did yeah, you, you never know. Your body was fighting, and they want to say everyone loves the No, I actually Bush. really like the Bushes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, 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 I think the Bushes, I, I, well, it's a different conversation, but but Ali, I, it'd be interesting, be, will, will we remember in how, 30 years, will we remember young Ali, or will we remember unifying Olympic torch Ali? Right, or, uh, again, uh, the boxer. I mean, those will always be, like, greatest boxer of all time. But in 30 years, will people even be talking about, like, boxing's a non-entity to people now. You know what I mean? Like, like boxing is not a sport that we think about. As a, and, and it used to be the biggest sport. Well, okay. If you're going to talk about the 20th century, Muhammad Ali has to be discussed. I think Muhammad, well, I think Muhammad Ali is the biggest athlete of all time. Yes, but if you're going to, if we're going to talk about historical, if you're going to look back, you're going to look back at the, it'll be, when you remember Muhammad Ali, it'll be talking about 1900 to, to you know. Is Muhammad Ali the biggest athlete of all time? Yes. It's not even close. Who's second? Jordan? I would think Jordan probably is. Yes, I would think Jordan, but there's just such a distance between the two. But you remember ESPN named Jordan number one. Yeah, and they're wrong. And they were wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think they were wrong. wrong. The city of Louisville, okay? I mean, this the city of Louisville is treating this whole proceeding as if it's like the city of Louisville. And they should. I mean, but the city of Louisville is treating this as a major thing. I mean, it's probably going to be the biggest event that's ever been held in Louisville. Is that fair? Yeah. Probably. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of like who's going to be here and that kind of thing. But the city of Louisville didn't always love him. No. Hence the reason why he threw uh, his medal into the Ohio yeah. River. I mean, Jerry Abramson back. in 1988, I think I read, Jerry Abramson was on the city council and voted against changing the name of that road to Muhammad Ali Boulevard. Walnut. Walnut changing Walnut to Muhammad Ali Boulevard yeah. because he thought it wasn't appropriate. I you mean, know, that's sort of amazing okay. to think. But why did, why did Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay at the time come back? Do you know what happened? He had to leave Louisville. He had to leave America. He went to the Olympics and saw Europe yeah. and said, I can go in this restaurant anytime I want and get a sandwich. I can go in this hotel yeah. and, and sit down and I can try shoes on whenever I want. And, he, and he's like, wait a minute, the rest of the world? But I can't do it in Louisville. But I, wait a minute, the rest of the world is, seems more acceptance of me. So I go home, and the first thing that happens is, you can't eat a sandwich at the counter. I know. And it's like, and that's where, boom, the Olympics opened his eyes to, uh, to different but things. But yet he still embraced Louisville. Yo, always did. But he embraced, like, it's funny, I don't know that he embraced all of Louisville. He embraced his part of Louisville. Right, like he embraced the part of Louisville that loved him. Uh, you know. Now later in life, he became L one C four and yeah, he games the games right, and all but, that stuff. But, but I'm just saying to you, I I, I think it's fun. I, I bet you, young Muhammad Ali would laugh at the reaction that, that people give him now. Going, that wasn't the reaction you were given first me a of long all, time ago. Okay, but first of all, that was Louisville. There was no urban sprawl. So that that you're you're talking about Portland and the West End. Was the population of the of Louisville? Now, when you think about this and athletes, Muhammad Ali at the same time that down the street Paul Horning was born and yeah. he was dominating the NFL. Pee Wee Reese was playing for the Yankees. So all three of those guys, Ali, Paul Horning, and Pee Wee Reese, all from Portland and the West End, at their times on the biggest stage, 
Pee Wee Reese was with the Yankees. Ali was doing his thing, and Paul Horning with the Green Bay Packers dominating. The that NFL. is amazing. It's pr- at the same time. Yeah, that that is that is really uh, amazing. How about the fact that the funeral is going to have Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. Billy Crystal, which seems odd to me, right? But apparently they were friends. Brian Gumble. And your friend, Captain Sunday. Right. <laughs> He's like, what, what one of these doesn't belong? Uh, I mean, listen. I feel for John because he was very – They were legitimately friends. So, I mean, I – I really feel for him on that on that case. And he was I, probably distraught. And I, I totally agree with you on that. Like, I give him a hard time, and I think he is a complete and total goober. But even complete and total goobers can have friends. Yes. And, and clearly those guys were close. I just can't imagine that but, on stage next to Clinton is going to be. But it was like the, last, like the last time he really, when Ali was out and about and could talk, those were the stars. Billy Crystal was a star. Bryant Gumbel mattered. Those are, isn't it weird that that's sort of they're going back to like. That's interesting. I, that's a I, good know, point. Bob Costas is the only one I think is missing. Like Bob Costas needs to speak. When that guy, I, I think he's awesome. I think he, he's also right there with Yeah, him. but I mean, Muhammad Ali didn't want him to speak. <laughs> I guess not. I mean, you I guess you think it. he made the list? or Well, they said he did. Oh, he did. Okay. They said he made the list. I think that's a really good point, that he was kind of, like, that was who mattered. Like, because Clinton being the exception, because he came around the 90s. But if you're talking late 80s, yeah. which is kind of the end of the prime Muhammad Ali, right. late 80s, early 90s. Yes. That really is who was very popular right. in America. Right. Was were, were those guys? Well, and then Billy Crystal was on that uh, um, iHeart. Remember that iHeart concert? And he was, and he got on with the microphone, and he goes, "Right now, your children are explaining, or your parents are explaining to the children who I am." Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah. He understands that he's not what he used to be. Yes, he's he, he was on some television show not that long ago. I watched called like the Comedians. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I'll watch this," and it was just dreadfully Awful, terrible. And it? and I thought. Can he not go back and do City Slickers? Like, right. what, which one are we on now? He was a huge star, man. Huge. He was. You look marvelous. You look marvelous. Sorry, right. And, when, and, and Bryant Gumble. I mean, Bryant Gumble, like now, for the last 15 years or more, Bryant Gumble has only been doing an HBO show. I know. But there was I a know. time that he was this sort of militant, young, uh, militant's not the word, but he was a very in your face black guy onto the Today Show. Right. You know, it wasn't so much what he was as to what he was on. Because mm-hmm. there was no other guy like him no. hosting like a morning show. And people really did not like him. I mean, he got replaced by Matt Lauer. He had a little smarminess to him. Oh, yeah. And like I people, you know, it was him and like Jane Pauley. Yeah. And people loved her. And they thought he was a jerk. And I read that Ali really liked that about him. That here he was putting this sort of in everybody's uh, living Brian room, Gumble's the one that will sit there and tell you the story of sitting in front of the ca- of the television. And Black America was taught; he was taught. Brian Gumble was taught that his uncles and his father and and every man in his in his life was taught: don't be boisterous, do not talk on the street corner, <laughs> yeah. don't do that because somebody might come along and snatch you. And then all of a sudden, here's this guy on television that's like, "I am the greatest," and, and I'm changed, pretty, and it changed the culture. Yeah, and he, of and, he America, did, and and of Black America. Yeah. And I'm just saying, you know, I'm black and proud. Yes. 
and Bryant Gumbel. So it'll be interesting. I'm actually not going to be able to watch it because I'm going to be traveling during it. But I'm fascinated to see how it goes. Now, do you think the city of Louisville can handle what's coming? Oh, play? yeah. We're a big event, folks. I think we are can we? handle it. Yes, we are. We are can we? handle it. We're derby. You know, anytime that we have a I big think event. So. I could tell when I watched it. the plane land and I saw that the same people that put on the Phillies and Stallions party were directing you the, know what? the <laughs> You know what? We're, we'll surprise you, okay? Let me just say, I love the guy. I actually like those guys. The guys that do like Phillies and Stallions and all that stuff. And, 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 you know, the nightclub scene, it just surprised me that it seems like the people running this Ali Memorial are the same people who, like, will get you VIP bottle service at well, Prime. I will t- I'm, I'm with you, but I'm also telling you, I know, I'm also telling you that the three events are pretty big. You have the Freedom Hall event. And What's the Freedom you, Hall event? The Freedom Hall event is the religious uh, part of that. To where and when is that? Pray. That is Thursday at noon. They're going to sell four. 19,000 tickets to that. So that's going to be sold out. And that's just, that's religious. That's the, right, yes. And then on Friday, they're going to do the the, the, um, procession. That's very cool. Driving by his house. They're saying that they are going to go as slow that you can walk out and touch the vehicle that he is in. That's how slow they're going to go from Bartstown Road all the way down to the West End and back. Hmm. So you can touch it? You will be able to walk out can and I touch something? the vehicle. I, this has nothing to do with Ali. This is just humanity in general. Mm-hmm. I don't understand humanity's obsession with dead bodies. And what I mean by that is, I don't like dead bodies. Like, to <laughs> me, the person... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the person is the person. The body, the person has left and gone to a better place. The body is the human form. When the person dies, I don't need the body and me to have a lot of interaction. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And I know there are people that disagree, like open caskets. Like, I don't like them. Now, that's a big thing where I grew up in the mountains. Like, everyone has an open casket. At their house. And people and people all will come and say, oh, doesn't he or she look beautiful? And I always want to be like, no. They're dead. They're dead. Yeah. They don't look beautiful. Yeah. Like, I don't like that. So, like, for me, going up and touching the casket would not be something that I would want to do, although far be it for me to tell people what they can do. Yeah, but you're an emotional cyborg. And no, that, that is, I am significantly more emotional than you are. Yes, you are. No, you are. Don't, call, don't call me an emotional cyborg. I'm an cyborg. emotional cyborg. I am. I, I, am, I am emotional. I just, the emotion for me is memories and thoughts, not the physical I know, body. But you probably haven't had someone that... I've had, had everyone had? die except okay. my mother. All right. I mean, really. Well, then you, like, I will tell you, I agree with you when it comes to the body. Like, I had a friend uh, pass away this past year, and it was really emotional, and I wanted to get over it. But once I went over and I touched his forehead. Yeah, I didn't, I don't need to do that. And I kind of rubbed my hand over his forehead, and it was ice cold. Like, yeah, I wasn't I, expecting see, I that. I don't want that. Like, I was right? expecting the warm yeah, guy. I don't, I don't and want it that. Was like, uh, it was like... I mean, I don't mind. Like, it was so cold. Like, if I die, I mean, I don't mind. What do you want? What I don't do you want? know. It doesn't. I'm not there anymore. Okay. So, like, I, what do you want? Cream? You want to? Be I don't cremated? care. It's whatever would make everybody where feel better. Where do you want to be? Back in Maysville or Middlesbrough? Where, where, yes, where? I would want to be buried in Middlesbrough. Okay. With my family in the mountains. Yeah, I'm a, by in a the tree, mountains. By a tree. No, no. We have we have a plot, got a plot. in the cemetery. I would want to be in Middlesbrough with my family in the mountains. But at the same time, I. 
we were talking today about who would give the eulogies. Yes. You would, it's, as of I today. to be. As of today, I would probably have you give one. Yes. I'd probably let Ryan give one. Right. I'd have my, we were saying if we had four, because he's got four, right? Right. My friend Tall would probably do one. And then I want to save one for someone that I feel like is a good draw. Right. <laughs> You know what? You know, like promoting make, from the grave. You know, I, I do. I want to make sure that we get a good attendance, right? right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the KSR store will be no, in the no, back. No, no, makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> you can get. Uh, I mean, we 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 need. We have to have T-shirts. Yeah. Right? I'm going to need to hear the speeches beforehand of the other two. All right. I'm going to have to. I would, I would obviously have my mom, but she'll be too distraught if right. this happens. No, she's not wanting to listen to this because she's like, I hate thinking about when. I mean, we don't want this to happen. Yeah. Clearly, but I'm just saying, like, maybe we get Cal. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be awesome. I don't, I'm trying to figure out who would go last. I don't know because you want the person to go last, the person well, that knows you the a, best. If there's, you're not uh, usually there's a religious person that would go last. Like you do your thing, and then you know I probably have my childhood minister. Well, my yeah. uncle, my uncle is also a minister. So either okay. my uncle or my childhood minister, Derek Pinwell, who's now a minister here in Louisville, who spoke by the way at the service here in Louisville. I noticed they had an Islamic. Yes. They, this was really interesting to me. They had an Last Islamic, night. a Jewish, and a Christian person get up and speak. Right. And Derek Penwell, who was my childhood minister in Middlesboro, Kentucky, all connected. was the Christian minister for the Ali thing. That's unbelievable. Night. Now, is there a song? You know what he would, said? What he say? actually said something really nice. We always goof around, but I was saying, he said something nice. He said, everyone is born unified as, hum- as humans. We are born not disliking each other. Right. But then the world comes and spreads us apart. Right. Ali was a person who, through the course of his life, tried to get us back to the state where we were when we were born, where we didn't have divisions mm-hmm. amongst. I thought right. that was a very nice sentiment. It is, but I still... What do you mean it is? That's a nice... Don't get across that. That's my childhood minister, I still, Tony. I still, <laughs> I still enjoy disliking people. So... There are certain people in this world that it's like... But you dislike them for what they do, yes. not what they are. No, clearly not. His point, no. was, that, his point was that like... Right. yes. Why I, you, you got to get on Derek Pinwell? <laughs> Derek Pinwell is a very good, nice man who's very smart. He was like 25 uh, years uh, old when I was young and, you know... You know, and that's the thing about Muhammad Ali before we wrap this thing up. Ali... <laughs> Ali... So I'm not. No. Who, who gets on people's childhood ministers? Ali... Ali uh, he was would used to speak at Yale and Harvard, and you know it would be in the room with three hundred Harvard grads, mm-hmm. and he would do a poem like his poem, the three word poem that he had. The world he called it the world's shortest poem. Me is we. That was his poem that he delivered. Which to I think is exactly what my minister said. That's why I just but he, brought. But up. you mocked it. I did not. I always have to have some smartass to say right afterwards. I'm trying to think who the fourth one for my... You know what? Back to you. <laughs> Ali's, Ali's died. And you know what? Uh, this is a perfect example of Matt Jones and the insanity of where it goes off the tracks. <laughs> Muhammad Ali has died, and we're talking about Muhammad Ali, and we're planning Matt Jones' funeral. That 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 is that that sums up basically your world. Excuse me, that is not very nice of you. At to the say. end of every conversation, and how does this affect me? <laughs> now, you, you admit it. You know what? I don't admit I, it. This is like therapy. Admit it. I do not admit it. <laughs> Before I let you go, yes. Touchofmodern.com. Okay. 
touchofmodern.com has modern gifts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do this sometimes. I read you what's on touchofmodern.com right, right. now. Touch yeah. of Modern, I got doodads, etc. You get like the app. Ray guns. You get the app of touch. So I'm just looking right now. Here we go. A smart car charger and car locator. You Ooh. put it in your car, and it'll tell you, you know, on your phone, see where your car is. Oh, I need that. Isn't that kind of cool? I got lost at the fairgrounds the other day. Exactly. Hand-blown kitchen glass. Like that. You see that? That's, you I look. want the charger to find you. You want the charger, okay. <laughs> you like that, don't you? Yeah, I do. A handcrafted leather basketball backpack. So it's a oh. backpack, but made out of, like, basketball. Yeah. Have you ever, you ever want that? I'm not a... Sand sand resistant beach towels. Ooh, yes. The sand it it goes off of it. Yes, yes. It won't get in it. I need that. No, I need that. I'm ordering that as soon as we hang up. So getting the sand resistant beach towels. And the car charger to find your car. Exactly. So now you have two gifts from touchofmodern.com. Basketball backpack. (laughs) Okay. Why don't you? Seriously. I, you want to know something? I actually had a basketball backpack. I, I, I don't When I, I was a Washington Wizards season <laughs> ticket holder. Right. For the Washington Wizards. Yes, okay. And they gave season ticket holders gifts because this was when they were bad. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a backpack right. that was a basketball. Right, yeah. And it had like rock. And I'd walk around, and this is the true story. In D.C., I lived. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, touchofmodern.com. <laughs> Before I let you go. I lived. I was like the one white dude uh. that lived in the black part of town. <laughs> basket i did no i'm not kidding you i lived in this section of town that was all it was like the prostitution section right yes yeah 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 and i didn't mean to live there it's just where i ended up that's where you're from and so like the people in the neighborhood sort of always look at me like why do you live here and i'd be like because i live here but then what i got the basketball backpack (laughs) and i would be walking Uh, home (laughs) this was during i worked at i worked a law job and rather than carrying a suitcase, I would carry the basketball backpack. And let me tell you something. Yeah. The people in the neighborhood, they liked me a lot more after I had the basketball backpack. And people would come up to me all the time. They'd go, Where do you get, where'd you get that backpack? And I'd be like, well, just got it, you know. So you're going to work with the leaders of the free <laughs> I worked world. on the D.C. circuit, yes. You're working in D.C. with the leaders of the world. Yes. And you thought how to look like an adult. Was to go to work with a basketball backpack. That's a fair point. I went out there, literally. The the court where I worked had probably 35 law clerks that were literally, I'm not just saying this, 35 of probably the 75 best law students in America. Right. The D.C. Circuit was the premier place to clerk next to the Supreme Court. But you had to clerk there to get to the Supreme Court. Yes, I came in with a basketball backpack. Yes, you did. Did you have one of those pens where you can click down five different colors? I've got you covered, sir. Whatever color you need. I have it in my basketball backpack. I don't know what could be a better Muhammad Ali tribute than this. Thank you, Tony. See you, buddy. Father's Day is almost here, so I need to interrupt a second and tell you about Omaha Steaks. Because if you've heard about Omaha Steaks, I've been talking about the Matt Jones meat package, and it's time. If Father's Day, it's two weeks. And if you order now, you can guarantee a gift your dad will like. If you go to Omaha Steaks, they have the best of everything. Bison, beef, seafood, poultry, pork, veal, lamb, whatever you want. And the meat package is there, $49.99. I'll say this again. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, four chicken fried steaks, four pork chops, four burgers, four jumbo franks, 12 meatballs, steak fries, tartlets, and I'll throw in four more burgers free. It's 80% off if you use this deal. 80% off. 
OmahaSteaks.com. The promo code is Matt. $49.99. Just put in Matt. It comes up. You order the steaks. I don't know what else you want me to do. I can't make it any easier for you. OmahaSteaks.com. Promo code Matt. The Matt Jones meat package. It's what everybody wants. It's what everybody's talking about. Highest quality meats for Father's Day. Go to OmahaSteaks.com now. With that, let's get back to it. All right, now happy to be joined on the phone, longtime writer and follower of Muhammad Ali, who, who wrote what I think was the best thing I read this weekend on Fox Sports about his time covering Ali, Dave Kindred. Dave, how are you, sir? Good, Matt. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time. I, you know, let me ask you, let me start with this. When, was the, when did you first meet Ali? How, when was it and what were the circumstances? I was a, a kid reporter at the Louisville Courier-Journal, 1966. I came there in December of 65. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was just a kid on the desk, you know, writing headlines on little stories. I was there to be a writer at some point in time. And one of the grown-ups came in one day and said, Clay's in town, go find him. Uh, so I did. The newspaper people and most people around Kentucky and around the the nation, in fact, still called him Cassius Clay, even though uh, it was two years after he had announced his name as Muhammad Ali. So I went to the west end of Louisville. It was easy to find him. I just asked the first person I saw and uh, then spent the day with him. I had my son, Jeff, with me, four years old at the time. And uh, Ali and I and my son drove around town just visiting places that Ali had been when he was a kid, and my son sat on Ali's lap all day. I wrote a little story about it. That was 1966, and here we are 50 years later, and I'm still writing about him. That is that is an amazing thing. You just, I mean, the notion that that would happen, you could just go up to him and you would end up riding in a car with him. How, how does that play out? You just say, hey, I'm a kid reporter. Can I hang out with you today? No, I think you know, Ali was always accessible to the press. He liked the press. He liked the attention. And it was just, and then, you know, you've got to remember that was 1966. There weren't 8,000 media following every celebrity around. True, true, yeah. You know, so Ali was in town. He was at home. He was relaxed. Uh, and forever, you know, he just identified me with uh, his hometown, his Louisville, his hometown newspaper. And made sure that Jeremy. It was always good. You know, two two questions from. Let me just say, I was nothing exceptional in that. You know, I mean, he he let everybody in. Yes, he wanted people around him all the time. He loved people, and people just loved him. You know, two things stand out about that. One, you said he had switched his name to Ali, but people still called him Clay. What was the decision making process in the newspaper? to saying, okay, we're going to still call him Clay, and then when did they switch it and why? Well, those are good questions, and they all are above my pay grade. You know, I was just a kid. Yeah. I don't know who decided those things. I just know that as late as 1971, I think, he was still being referred to in the newspaper in Louisville as Cassius Clay. Is that right? Wow. I'm not sure how that went other places, but I know his relationship with with Howard Cosell. There was a famous episode once where uh, he called him Cassius Clay, also known as Muhammad Ali. And Ali took exception to that and said, 
you're not going to do that to me too, are you, Howard? And Cosell, <laughs> from then on, from then on, Cosell called him Muhammad Ali. I'm not sure when that changed in, in the newspaper. I, I, I just know that it was kind of standard operating procedure. I don't know if there was any official edict on it or not. Uh, but over time, uh, over time, it changed. You know, you wrote a book about the relationship between Cosell and Ali. Uh, Sound and was it Sound and Fury. Is that the name of it? Sound and Fury. Two powerful lives, one fateful friendship. Yes, yes. I, yes that I, I read that book years back, and I uh, and I want to pick it up again. And, I, and their relationship I find interesting. But I want to get back just a second to Louisville. I mean, this town obviously is it, it's Ollie everything right now. But you were there when it was different. I mean, what 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 was the relationship? Let's say in 1960. Well, let's start with 1966. But then after, when he decides not to to be a part of the draft, what was the relationship specifically in Louisville like with him at the time? I think it was. You know, I don't, again, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I was 1967. I was 25 years old. You know, I was trying to make my way in the world. I wasn't paying that close of attention to it. You know, I mean, I knew what was going on, but I, my, my feeling, my remembrance is that uh, people in Louisville thought of him the same way that people around America thought of him. They thought that he talked too much. They thought that he was, uh, if not a traitor, he was at least a, an ingrate, someone who didn't appreciate America. I think all of the negative thoughts that were around America were probably in Louisville, too. He may have got kind of a hometown discount sometimes, where people gave him some slack that he wasn't getting to other places. But in my research and my reporting and my reading of, of old stuff in the Courier-Journal, uh, he was being treated uh, much the same. I remember a piece by Larry Beck, who was the boxing writer... Uh, in the 60s when all that was happening. And he talked about how the name change and the Nation of Islam were just scary things. No one in Louisville, few people around the country, understood what the Nation of Islam was, what it was about, and certainly didn't understand their all-American boy who, in 1960, had come home as an Olympic champion and been treated royally. They didn't understand how that that all-American specimen had become this guy that they didn't understand. Hey, I want to interrupt for a second and tell you about Bonobos. Every guy wants to look sharp, but a lot of us hate shopping. Nobody hates shopping more than me. I hate trying stuff on. I don't like, you know, to go in the dressing room, have people pinching and all that stuff. But Bonobos makes it easy. First of all, they have great clothes. Styles that are bold as you want them. Original prints, patterns, everything. Plus, they can have a fit for every body type. If you're like me, I'm tall and have really long arms, but not a very long torso. And so, like, what do you do? Well, Bonobos can take care of it. You can try them on at the guide shop, the store of the future. No crowds, one-on-one service. And then they'll send it right to you. Come on, how are you going to do better than that? Plus, they got shirts for the work, for work, weekend, or special occasions. Anything you want. Jackets, ties, belts, shoes, even golf clothes. Long, short, whatever you need. So go to Bonobos.com, B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com, Bonobos.com, put in the promo code Matt Jones, and you get 20% off your order. 20% off. Bonobos.com, promo code Matt Jones, 20% off your order. Can't beat it. Now with that, let's get back to it. 
you know, you, you the thing I liked about your Fox Sports article is now I'm I, I wasn't alive to watch him box, and but I've read as much over the years as I could about him because I found him a fascinating figure, especially being from Kentucky. But your article points out that like I post I think it was probably 1996 with the torch. Ali became a symbol of this sort of unifying symbol, but that was not him. I mean, that was not what he was before that. And so you've seen all the stuff that's gone on and the tributes, et cetera. Do you think that the sort of Ali you knew and the, and the core of who he was during his prime gets lost in the, you know, 20 years since the 96 torch thing and, and, and how people look at him? Yeah, I think it's a different thing. You know, from from '96 on, uh, he's become a living saint. You know, people have smoothed off all of the rough edges. They've forgotten all. Not everybody, by the way. You know, there's still a whole lot of people out there who uh, have nothing good to say about Muhammad Ali. You know, uh, turning down the the draft was, you know, part of it. You know, his racist harangues as a member of the Nation of Islam was part of it. You know, he was uh, an angry, defiant character in a time of tumult in the United States in the in the '60s. You know, people don't. You know, I'm old enough to live through the '60s. I didn't want to go to Vietnam. I thought it was a silly war. You know, happily, I was married and had a child by then. Uh, I was deferred, but I understood Ali's point. You know, I not sure I understood how he came to that decision, but his decision at the time, and he stood by it relentlessly, he stood by it forever. Most famous man on earth, heavyweight champion, Muhammad Ali, stood up against the most powerful government in the world and said, send me to jail. I don't care. I'm going to jail. You know, I'm not going to go to war. I'll go to jail first. Now, why he did that you can speculate whether that was the Nation of Islam ordering him to take that stand, or you can say that he was afraid to go to war, or you can say that he was uh, not grateful to his country. I don't care how he came to that decision. And people in the anti-war protest, I talked to those people. One famous in Louisville, in fact, Ann Braden. I asked her, did it matter to you how Ali decided that? She said, not at all. Yeah, it didn't matter to any of us. It mattered only that the most famous man on the on the planet was telling people it was a bad war, and it it galvanized a lot of people. And that's the Ali that in 1996, when he stood on the uh, that podium to light the torch, that Ali of the 60s had been forgotten. Now they just saw an old man trembling and frail. Uh, they were hoping he didn't light himself on fire with that torch. It was licking up his arms because the thing wouldn't work correctly. You know, they saw that guy, you know, unable to speak, defenseless, weak, vulnerable, and their hearts went out to him because, really, and I think I wrote this at the time for the Atlanta Constitution, their hearts went out to him because he had given himself to us. You know, boxing ruined him. <clears throat> boxing ruined him physically. Whether he had Parkinson's disease or not, 
I don't know, but I know he had brain damage. Brain damage may have led to Parkinson's, but the original diagnosis of his physical problems was Parkinson's syndrome, meaning he had the symptoms of Parkinson, secondary to pugilistic syndrome, meaning caused by getting hit in the head a million times. So I think we felt some guilt about that. It was time to forgive and forget and to see him up there being brave and putting himself on world display uh, made a lot of people cry, including Bill Clinton, who was the president at the time and was in the stadium that night. And, and part of that uh, has to be also what a huge personality he was. I mean, for so he had sort of disappeared right out of the public eye for a little while and then shows up for, like that. I mean, that, that change had to be part of it as well. For a long time. For after his last fight, which was in 82... Uh, he was basically out of sight until 96. There were, there were no public events. There were some public scandals, actually, involving him where con men had used him, had exploited him. Uh, a guy, I forget his name now, something Smith, and a lawyer named Richard Hirschfeld you know, had, had used him to make money for themselves, a little money for him. But basically he was out of sight. He had become almost a hermit, if not a recluse, in his mansion in, in Los Angeles with his third wife, Veronica. Uh, and we had forgotten about him until suddenly there he was. Suddenly, you know, it was a, a, a very closely held secret of who was going to light the torch. And when people saw that it was Ali, uh, it reminded them of who he had been without really knowing who he had been. Because, again, 1996 was 30 years after I first met him. It was 29 years after he had been arrested uh, for refusing induction. You know, it was 26 years since the Supreme Court had forgiven, had, had uh, dropped the case. So it was a different Ali than, than anybody knew. It was more just a character, like a character out of a history book suddenly you know like alexander hamilton yes suddenly oh yeah there was that alexander hamilton guy and it was that's kind of what it was like with ali that's right it's real it's an interesting comparison let me ask you about something that i've always found hard i i i really respect a lot of what he's done but one thing that i have a hard time with was the cruelty that happened, especially some of the cruelty against his opponents, uh, st starting, I guess, a little bit with Sonny Liston, but then really with Joe Frazier in terms of the way he talked about him, the way he treated him. I've listened to interviews with Frazier. I know that they made up later in life, but Frazier would I talk. Don't, uh, I don't think so. Well, well, maybe they didn't then, but I, the, I know how much that really got to him, how what Ali said about him during that time. Where do you think that cruelty came from? Boxers are cruel. Boxers, no one gets in a ring and is willing to be hit without wanting to hit back. You have to be cruel to do that. Every boxer I've ever known has a cruel streak. Everybody is sweet. They're sweet-tempered outside the ring. In the ring, they're cruel. And my theory on that, <clears throat> Matt, my theory on that always was that Ali was at his most cruel, his most contemptible, when he was most afraid. I think he was afraid of Frazier. He was afraid of great fighters. 
you've got to have some fear in you to get into the ring. You've got to be brave to face that fear. Ali did it 61 times against great fighters. And what we need to remember all the time about Frazier is that he was a great, great fighter. You know, if Ali had not been, if, if Ali had never been born, Joe Frazier would, would have been the greatest champion ever. Frazier was a great fighter. You know, and Ali, uh, it was contemptible what he did to Frazier. Frazier had been good to him during Ali's exile, had even given him some money. They had palled around together. But to, to sell a fight, to make money, to bring in an audience, to create the drama that he needed, that Ali needed to get into the ring, to create that drama, he used every fighter, not just Frazier, but he used every fighter. Uh, he exploited their weaknesses, and he created weaknesses in them that did not exist. I mean, he he made he somehow made Joe Frazier, you know, like a middle class white guy. Yeah, and beat him up. Well, I mean, Frazier, part of that was like he was a sellout, right? Isn't that what he tried to to say about yeah, him all the time? Yeah. And and it was it was all contemptible, you know, up to up to and including perhaps worst of all, you know, holding a little gorilla toy and bashing it with his fist. You know, Thriller in Manila, and I'm going to beat up the gorilla. Come on. Well, I, 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 that's that's one of the one things I was talking about was that that time. Do you, I mean, but you got to know him somewhat, and, and, and you sort of, how do you compartmentalize all of it? I mean, I think there's a tendency for humans, especially in today's age, for people to go, well, he was a great person, bad person, whatever. I just find him to be complex, but you knew him. So how do you sum him up in your mind? Well, in my mind, he's always a sweetheart. You know, and the rest of it is is play acting. The rest okay. of it is acting of some kind. You know, he was a great actor, for one thing. I mean, you could hear him tell a story, and if you go to YouTube or whatever your resource might be and look up an Ali story, he will have told that story a hundred times, <laughs> yeah. but every every time he tells it, it sounds like it just occurred to him. You know, he's a great actor in in that sense, and he became a uh, you know like a voice machine. You you tell him a joke, you know, next next time around he'll tell your joke better than you told it. You know, he was a great mimic, a great actor, but I always thought that he was a sweetheart. He was kind to everybody that I ever saw him around in public, but in the ring, you've got to be a different person. And in the ring, you know, you're fighting for your life. You literally are fighting for your life. That's not a pretty game. If I could abolish boxing, I would. You know, it, you, know you see Ali. You, I saw Joe Lewis in a wheelchair with Ali whispering in his ear. You feeling pain, Joe? You feeling any pain? You know, in my book, I talk about Ali going to see Sugar Ray Robinson in, in Robinson's declining years, living in a diaper. You know, these are great fighters. They gave up their bodies to to the ring. You know, so it's, I, that's where it's not so much compartmentalizing as just forgiving it because it's necessary to what he was doing. That's, a, that's really powerful, and I'm with you on boxing totally. Last thing, because your, your book, Sound and Fury, about Cosell and Ali, I've always thought the two of them – needed each other they were perfect for each other Ali also 
I mean, media as it grew, as television, et cetera, he was the perfect person from it. What did you, in doing that book, what did you learn and what were your favorite parts of that relationship? Well, I think they did need each other. Ali, uh, uh, Cosell was a lawyer until he was 35. Like me, yes. (laughs) Yeah, part-time broadcaster. He wanted to be a sportscaster. So he met Ali when Ali was Cassius Clay, when he was 19, 20 years old and saw a star, star, a star in the making. He hooked himself up to Ali early. ABC, that Cosell worked for at the time, was number three network by about 50 miles. Uh, so NBC and CBS didn't want anything to do with this black kid you know, that, was, that America hated. So ABC made him its star. You know, Ali once told Cosell, you need me more than I need you. And he was right about <laughs> he that. He was right about that. But, you know, they became a business partnership. They were not really friends, but they became a business partnership. They knew they were good television. They knew they were good for each other. You know, the, whatever fame still clings to Cosell all these years later is from Monday Night Football, more than Ali, actually. Monday Night Football was made possible for, for Cosell by his uh, by the attention that came to him through Ali. He was with Ali only four or five years, really, where they uh, bantered back and forth before fights and after fights. But Monday Night Football came to Cosell through Ali. So it was, a, it was great for, for both of them, and it's still great fun to, to go to YouTube and, and look at a Cosell uh, Ali interview where they're always having fun with each other. Well, Dave, I, I, I can't tell you how, uh, how, how much I thank you for doing this. I, I read you, uh, your stuff from a young age when I became in love with sports. And then when I saw your piece on Ali, I thought now would be a good chance to, to have him on here. And I really appreciate you taking the time. It, it's, it's well, good. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the chance to talk to anybody in Louisville. I like it. Thank you very I, we much. Loved it there for, we loved it there for 11 years and always liked to be there. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Oh!